Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hasn't the presence of God and isn't the presence of God wonderful? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for bringing us into the presence of God. You may be seated. Thank you, church, for worshiping. I'm going to be fast tonight. I'm going to preach fast. You listen quick. If you get through before I do, stay with me. I hope we're all going to get through at the same time here. But God has moved in this place. God has taken you to a higher place in Him. Amen. And that's what it's about. If we don't have the presence of God, we just have another social gathering. That's all we have. But we've got to have the presence of Almighty God. And let me tell you something, folks. We need the emotions turned loose in us. We have become an unemotional people. As long as your eyes leak, your head won't swell. So God wants our emotions turned loose in us. He placed these emotions within us. But I'm going to tell you something, church. We're bound by a spirit called image protection. What will they think if I allow the Holy Spirit to move in me? Honey, what does it matter? They didn't die for you and they're not coming back for you either. What does he think? So it's wonderful when we allow the Holy Spirit to take over and move in us. It's all about Him having His way. And so I thank God that we allow God to have His way in our lives and in our services. That's what it's about. Folks, it's not just going through the motion. I'm not saying emotion, I'm saying motion. The motion of it. But it's having a touch of God and a move of God in a fresh way in our lives. Amen? So when we leave this place, we'll know without a doubt we have been in the presence of God and we felt His power and His presence in a fresh way. We need it. The world needs to see it in us. That we've been in touch with Jesus. That's not my message. That's free. I'm going to preach fast tonight. One verse of scripture. 1 John 4 and 10. Herein is love. Not that we love God. But that God loved us. And gave his son. Or sent his son. To be the perpetuation for our sin. I'm going to talk tonight about the greatness of God's love. We've talked about His holiness tonight. Do you realize that the only attribute of God that's said three times in the Word of God is holy, holy, holy? It doesn't say love, love, love. It doesn't say righteous, righteous, righteous. It says holy, holy, holy. Well, we're going to talk tonight about the love of God. And folks, this is not just for unbelievers, it's for us. How many knows we need to be refreshed in our spirit and mind about the love of God? Instead of just taking it for granted. But we need to once again realize as much as we can how much God loves us. 
when God sent his son into this world, he gave us the greatest gift he could give us. And that's himself in human form. The only way we could accept this gift is our own essence, humanity. So he sent us his son in human form. But I want to deal tonight with the who, the what, the where, the when, and the why of God's love. The who, the what, the where, and the when, the why of God's love. Let's begin with the who. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but who? God loved us. God is the who of his love. There's no beginning and no ending. Love is God and God is love. This love is unsought in its action. It's universal in its offer. It's unbroken in its ministry. And it's unending in its character. The love of God is unconditional. God created us because he wanted to love us. His love is everlasting. But God wants us to love him in return. God could have created puppets. How many knows? Sometimes I wished he had them. It'd been easier on us, wouldn't it? He could have created us as puppets. But no, he created us with a will. So that we would serve him and love him because we wanted to. Amen? So God is love. Love is God and God is love. That's the who of God's love. God is the who of his love. Number two, the what of God's love. For God so loved the what? We're the object of God's love. God so loved the world. We're the object, folks. You know why the enemy gives you such a hard time? I'm going to tell you. You're the object of God's love. The devil is mad at God. He can't be reinstated. He knows that. The only way he can get back to God is through the object of God's love. Now, I have one son. I want to tell you that son is the object of my love. You can talk about me and get by with it, but don't talk about my son. You want to know if I've got some fire in me? I do, but I'll get forgiveness. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Why? He's the object of my love. We're the object of God's love. So the only way the enemy thinks he can get back to God is through the object of what God loves. Folks, I want to tell you something tonight. When God brings your past before you, shout. Why? You know why we have reruns on TV? It's because they don't have any new material. You know why God brings your past up? He doesn't have any new material. What he's bringing up is under the blood of Jesus. And you need to shout and say, all you have is a rerun. And the rerun is under the blood of Jesus. So you don't have any new material on me. All you have is a rerun. Amen? So shout when he brings it up. And say, that's under the blood of Jesus. We're the object of God's love. Folks, when Jesus came, there was folks that's not ready to receive his love. The innkeeper was too busy. Herod was too concerned with power and authority. But there are people that was ready to receive his love. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was not saved by the birth she gave. She was saved by the blood that was shed. 
Mary was ready to receive his love. What did she say? Be it unto me according to thy word. Amen. I may not understand what you're saying, but I'm going to trust what you're telling me. I may not understand what's happening. I may not understand what you're doing. But what I am going to do is trust what you're doing, saying. Folks, Joseph allowed Jesus to interrupt his life. Am I right? I'm going to ask you a question tonight. Do you love him enough to allow him to interrupt your life? Have you ever had him to interrupt your life? I have. When I was 23 years old, I was engaged to a young attorney. Loved the Lord, saved, filled with the baptism. Wonderful young man. See, when I was 18, the Lord asked me if I would marry a preacher. And I said, no, I want to marry somebody that's going to make me some money. <laughs> now, I don't want to marry a preacher. At the age of 23, I thought I had it made. I'm going to marry this attorney. He's going to make me some money. And the Lord said, no. He interrupted my life said, no, that's not the will of God for you. I cried, talked to my dad about it. My dad said, honey, you know how to hear from God, so you've got to hear from God on it. Finally, I broke up with a young man, heartbroken, both of us were, heartbroken. At the age of 26, I'm saying, God, I'd like to have a Christian home, Christian husband. Once again, he said, would you be willing to marry a preacher? I said, yes, God, I will. I'm a thinking. At my age, there's not any that's never been married. If I say yes, I'm off the hook. How many knows we think we're smart? <laughs> we think we're smart. Two years from that time, as I told you the other day, I worked for General Telephone Company. Two, two, two years. Two weeks, excuse me, from that time. My pastor's wife called me on Wednesday evening, and she said, uh, are you working this evening? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And she said, well, could you take off? <clears throat> said, we're starting a revival tonight with a young man from Texas. And said, uh, he's 31 years old and has never been married. I knew I was going to have to marry that dude, and I never met him. <laughs> I knew it. So I said to my chief operator, Chief, give some of the younger girls my hours. I'm going to church tonight. Normally got my hair fixed on Friday, but thought just in case I'd get it fixed on Wednesday. Got it fixed and went to church. Somebody said, what are you doing here? You normally have to work. And I went, shh. Somebody else from the other side of the auditorium hollers and said, you got your hair fixed today. I thought you got it fixed on Friday. Now I'm thinking, this is the nosiest bunch of people I've ever gone to church with. They will not let me alone. He preached that night. He preached on this subject, be sure. Got a lot out of that service. Got something really stuck with me for 52 years. <laughs> Most folks don't get that much out of a service. Yeah. But I got a lot out of that service. But let me tell you something, folks. When I walked down the aisle 
to say I do to that wonderful man. There was not a doubt in my heart that I was not in the perfect will of Almighty God. And I want you to know I had one of the easiest lives anybody could ever have with that man. But what happened? I allowed Jesus to interrupt my life. Folks, we need to live our lives so God, however you want to interrupt it, you do it and let me be willing to move in the will of Almighty God. Joseph allowed Jesus to interrupt his life. The shepherds were ready to see, receive his love. The wise men were ready to receive his love. Folks, we've got to say tonight, I am the object of God's love. I am the object of his love. He loves me. The who is God, the what is the world, the when. The word says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The when of God's love is while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Then the when of God's love is simply this. In special ways, at special times, God shows his love unto us. How many ever experienced without a doubt knowing that it was God that was making himself real to you in a situation and you knew it was the love of Almighty God? Revealing himself to you in a fresh way. The love of Almighty God. You've, maybe you heard me tell this story, but I'll tell it again this evening. I want to tell you how he revealed himself to me in an extraordinary way. The love of God. I had, have alluded to you about the tragedy that we suffered with our bus. How many knows what I'm talking about? How many does not know what I'm talking about? Okay, real quickly, let me recap for those that don't. My husband and I pastored in Kentucky in the 80s. Our youth group returning from an outing was hit head on by a drunken driver, resulting in the deaths of 27 of our precious people. We lost 24 young people and we lost three staff members. My husband preached 16 funerals in 48 hours, but for the grace of God. That happened on a Saturday. On a Tuesday, my husband had gone to Louisville, Kentucky to visit young people in the burn units. We had 13 young people in six different hospitals. Besides those that we lost, we had 13 burned beyond recognition and they lived. So on a Tuesday, I was sitting there at home and I said, God, if I don't hear from you today, I'm not going to make it. How many has ever been in that place? And if you haven't, pack a lunch, you will. I'm not going to make it. So I went over to the church to just be at the church. The telephone company had installed eight new lines in the church to handle the calls. And the board member said to the ladies, we want you to handle the calls because Sister Tennyson and Pastor cannot talk to everybody that calls in. We received over a thousand calls a day. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it great to be part of a family of God? that says, you don't know who I am, but we're praying for you today. And they said, now at the end of the day, give the messages to Pastor or Sister Tennyson. If it's important, go call one of them. One of the girls came to me about 10 o'clock that morning and said, Sister Tennyson, 
President Reagan's on the phone, wants to talk to Pastor Tennyson. He's not here. Could you talk to him? I said, I guess I could. So I went to the phone. President Reagan said, Miss Tennyson, this is President Ronald Reagan. Nancy and I are praying for you today. If you need money or military, please let me know. The reason he said military is because we were stationed. We were, our church was right there at the gate of Fort Knox. If you need money or military, let me know. He said, I'm going to give you this number. It rings in the Oval Office. I'm the only one that answers this number. So don't give it to anyone. I still have that number. How much is it worth to you? <laughs> if President Reagan answers, you better check where you are. <laughs> he talked a few minutes. I thanked him. He hung up. Two hours later, one of the girls came to me and said, Sister Tennyson, Vice President George H.W. Bush is on the phone. Wants to talk to Pastor Tennyson. He's not here. Could you talk to him? I said, I guess I could. So I ran to the phone. Vice President Bush said, Miss Tennyson, this is Vice President Bush. Barbara and I are parents and grandparents. Our hearts bleed with yours today. We're praying for you. He broke down and began to sob. I don't know your political flavor. That's your business. But I appreciate anybody in that position that can feel my pain. He began to sob. I mean, absolutely sob. When he was able to regain his composure, he said, uh, he apologized. And I said, Mr. Vice President, there's not anything you could have said that would have done me any better than you felt my pain. How many knows it's not important that we talk all the time? Feel the pain. He, he talked to him a few minutes, said, if you need anything, let me know. And I thanked him. He hung up. Three o'clock that afternoon, one of the ladies came to me and said, Sister Tennyson, Sister Alice Jane Schaefer Blythe is on the phone. She is my mentor. She lived to be a hundred years old. Wonderful woman of God. Love this woman. She preached for 83 years. Love this woman. Sister Blythe's on the phone. No, you want to talk to her. I said, I do. I ran to the phone and her first words were these. Honey. I've been before the throne today, and the King of kings and the Lord of lords says, you're going to make it. Now, I appreciated President Reagan, but he had limited power. He couldn't promise me I was going to make it. I appreciated Vice President Bush, but he had limited power. He couldn't promise me I was going to make it. But when she said, I've been before the one that has all power, and he says, you're going to make it. How many knows that's the most important call I talked on that day? You can't get any better than from the top. What happened? The one that loves me, the one that sent his son to die for me, made himself real in his love in an extraordinary way in my life. Amen? I said, God, if I don't hear from you today, I heard from him, Pastor. And he said, you're going to make it. That's the love of Almighty God. The win of God's love. While we were yet sinners, and in special ways at special times, is the win of His love. The whir of His love. Everywhere. David said, if I ascend to the heavens, He's there. If I make my bed in hell, He's there. He said, there's no way I can get away from the love of Almighty God. Let me tell you something tonight, folks. You that are praying for unsaved loved ones, let me tell you something. The love of God is chasing them. 
They cannot get away from the love of God. David said, I can't walk over him. He scatters himself in my path. I can't walk over him, can't walk around him, can't walk under him. There's nowhere I can go that his presence, his spirit, and his love is not there. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the love of Almighty God. It's everywhere. It reaches heavenly from him forward to those that have been born, backward to those, or backward to those that have been born, forward to those that's going to be born. It's everywhere. You cannot get away from the love of Almighty God. I'm going to tell you this testimony. My husband and I were doing a revival in Austin, Texas. Their worship leader. And let me stop here and say thank you, worship team. You have done an excellent job. Thank you. Thank you. Their worship leader said, let me tell you my testimony. He said, I was in this rock group. And he said, very, a very uh, well-known rock group. Did everything they did in sin. And he said, I had a praying grandmother. Loved to go to grandma's house until she started talking about her Jesus. And said, I just run out the door. She didn't tell me what her church was doing. She told me what her Jesus was doing. Amen? Said, I went to grandma's house one day. She started telling me about Jesus. And said, I got up and ran out the door. She came to the door and said these words. Jose, if you ever get in trouble, just call the name of Jesus. I mean, those words says, those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. It's Jesus on the mountain. It's Jesus for my family. It's the name of Jesus. And he said two weeks from that time, I literally OD'd on drugs and alcohol. Laying in the emergency room of the hospital. The doctor, I, he said, my spirit left my body. I saw the doctor fill out the death certificate, pull the sheet up over my head, and lay it on the sheet. And said, I felt myself being pulled down into a dark tunnel. Could feel the heat and hear the screams. And said, I heard Grandma's voice one more time. Jose! Jose! If you ever get in trouble... Just hollered, Jesus. And he said, everything within me screamed the name of Jesus. And he said, I'm going to tell you the truth. A hand reached down into that tunnel, pulled me up out of that tunnel. My spirit reentered my body. And I sat up on that gurney in the hospital speaking in other tongues. He said, I'd like to give the hospital staff cardiac arrest. Oh, he said, and the Lord said to him, Jose, I saved you for two reasons. Number one, because of your grandma's prayers. And number two, tell the world my love reaches to hell's door. Amen. They that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah, God. My love reaches to hell's door. Folks, his love is everywhere. There's no way... You can get around the love of Almighty God. As we get it in our spirit, I told you it's going to be quick. Number four, or number five. Am I number five? Have anybody taken notes? Okay, thank you, sweetheart. Number five. 
the why of God's love. The word says, truly, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Fellowship. That's how we get to know God, is through fellowship. And the more I fellowship God, the more I know God, and the more I know God, the more I trust God. When my husband started dating me, he'd take me to the door for six, seven, eight months, stick out his hand and say, I sure enjoyed the fellowship. Yeah. I'm thinking I can get this at church. <laughs> <laughs> Is he wasting my time? Eventually we got past fellowship, we got married. <laughs> but through fellowship, I got to know him. And after I got to know him, I want you to hear my heart. The Wilsons can verify this. There's nobody in the world that's walking on earth that I trusted any more than my husband. 52 years, he never lied to me. It was a man of integrity. How did I arrive at that kind of trust? It began with fellowship. And the more I fellowship God, the more I'm going to know God. And the more I know God, the more I'm going to trust God. The reason we don't trust God any more than we do is because we only trust people we know. I only know people I fellowship. So why of the love of God to have fellowship with us? He longs to have fellowship. Why of the love of God to give us what we need for the journey that's ahead of us? How he knows we all have a journey ahead of us? We don't know what that journey entails. But the love of God wants to give us what we need for the journey that is ahead of us. Our uh, youth pastor was also our minister of music. Did an excellent job at both of them. Wednesday evening, choir practice. On the Wednesday evening before the tragedy happened the following Saturday, we were at choir practice. Now, I am not a singer. Should I cut a CD, the hole wouldn't be in the middle. That's how off my singing is. But anyway, it looks better to have the choir filled. <laughs> so we were practicing for choir. And when he finished, Pastor Chuck looked at the choir and said these words. Choir, I'm going to sing this song, he said. It's my favorite song. We're not going to sing it for church. I just want to sing it before we leave. And he began that song, when peace like a river tendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, he's caused me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. When he finished with tears rolling down his face, Sister Heather, he looked at the choir and said these words, Choir, if I never sing another song with you again, it is well with my soul. That was the last song he sung with us. 
And our son, who was on the bus, got off two minutes before it exploded. Pastor Chuck's last words, standing in the stairwell with the flames leaping around him, said to the young people, get off as quickly as you can. He lifted both hands and said, I'm going home. Folks, you have to be saved to die that way. I'm going home. Why? It was well with his soul. But what am I saying? God was giving us Wednesday evening what we needed for the journey that was ahead of us on Saturday, on Sunday. He was, his love was giving us what we needed for that journey. Folks, we have a journey ahead of us. And the love of God will give us what we need for that journey if we will allow him to do it. On a Wednesday, my husband at the church... After the tragedy on Saturday, walking down the hallway, and he said, God, I've got to hear from you. I've got to hear from you. He started down the hallway to go to the cafeteria. We had a school in our church, and he was going to the cafeteria to get a cup of coffee. In the middle of the hallway, an Indiana State Police stepped out, and he said to him, my husband, aren't you the pastor? My husband said, yes, sir, I am. He said, Reverend, I didn't come here to investigate this tragedy, but I came here today to bring you a message from God. And he said, I want you to get one of your men. Let's go to your office. We're going to put a tape in the recorder, and I want you to record what I've got to say. He got one of the board members. They went into my husband's office, and he began Weep, my children, weep, but don't weep too long. From this fire will come another fire, but it won't be a fire of destruction. It'll be a fire of purification that will reach around the world. He said, I have all of your loved ones in my hands. Every one of them made it, and they're with me. There's much more to it. My husband had it transcribed and passed out to the people. He took his name and his badge number. And when things kind of calmed down... He called the Indiana State Police headquarters. He wanted to send him a thank you note for obeying God. He called the Indiana State Police headquarters, gave him the name and the badge number. And they said, Reverend, we'll call you back. He called my husband back in a couple of days and he said, In the history of the Indiana State Police, there's never been a man on the force or a badge number but that number. What do I believe? The love of God took an angel, put him in the uniform of an Indiana State Police to bring my husband a message to let him know that everything was going to be all right. How many is hearing me tonight? That's the love. That's the love of God. And he wants to reveal himself to us in a fresh way. The love of Almighty God. Folks, the who of his love is God. The what of his love is the world. We're the object of his love. The when of the world, when of his love, while we were yet sinners. The where of his love is everywhere. The why of his love is for fellowship and to give us what we need for the journey. I'm going to close with these two stories. Stories told of a young man left home at an early age. Some of you may have heard this. 
And he told his parents, he said, I don't want you to contact me. I don't want to hear from you again. I'm going to make my own way. At the age of 18, he left. Many years had passed. Had a family. Somehow lost his family. Sitting alone one day, he thought to himself, I wonder if my mom and dad's still living. Wonder if they still love me. So he wrote a note and mailed it to the address of the old home place and said, I'm going to be on a certain train on a certain day. If you have forgiven me and you still love me, tie a white hanky in the old apple tree that stands out by the tracks. I'll get off the train and come home. He aborted the train at the time he should. Sitting by another gentleman on the train. And he told the gentleman what he was doing. And he said, I can't bear to look, but around the next curve should be an old apple tree. Would you look for me to see if there's a white hanky hanging from one of the limbs? The gentleman said, I'll be happy to, son. And as they rounded the curve, he looked out the window and he said to the gentleman, is there a white hanky hanging from the apple tree? The gentleman said, no, son, there isn't. But there's an old man and woman standing out under the tree and they're waving a bed sheet. <laughs> what am I saying to you tonight? Folks, I'm saying God loves you. He's waving the bedsheet tonight, telling you that he loves you. He wants you to come home if you're away from him. He wants you to come home because his love is everlasting to everlasting. And he wants to reveal himself to you in a fresh way. Story is told of a man and his son that was painters. They both loved to paint. They had beautiful artwork, very expensive. They sold the artwork. One day the young man was drafted into the service. The father, the mother had passed away, so the father was raising the son. There was a knock on the door. Army officer came to the door and gave the news to the father. Your son has been killed. The father became so depressed. He took down all the artwork, shut up his house, and became a hermit. One day, a young man knocked on the door, and he went to the door, and it was a young soldier man. And he said, uh, sir, I was a friend of your son's. In fact, he died in my arms. I also am an artist. That's what drew us together. And he said, I've made you this simple picture this drew the simple picture of your son. And I just want to present it to you. He invited the man in, took down his expensive artwork over the mantle, hung up the picture of the only son. And he had people to come in once again to see his artwork. One day the gentleman died. 
They were going to auction off all of his artwork. The auctioneer began and said, the will says, the first piece we have to auction off is a picture of the only son. It's the first piece. And they said, oh, get, get with the good stuff. Started with $10, $5, $10. Finally, a little lady in the back said, Mr. Auctioneer, I was a neighbor to them. Watch that young man grew up. But all I have is $10. If you'll take $10 for the picture of the only son, I'd like to buy it. $10, $15, $20, no bids. And he said, sold to the lady in the back for $10. She came up, gave her money, grabbed it, began to cry and held on to it. The auctioneer put the gavel down and he said these words, auction over. And they said, over? You just auctioned off the picture of the only son. He said, the will says, whoever accepts the only son receives it all. <laughs> How many notice tonight, we accept the love of the only son. We receive everything that heaven has as we accept his love tonight. So folks, I want us to get in our spirit. How much God loves us tonight. How much he loves us to the lengths he went to, to redeem us. And so many times we forget the love of God. I'm gonna ask a few of you tonight before we pray. Pastor, you know him, he loves you. Tell me something he's done for you, one thing in your life. Jesus, yes. yes. He carried me through tragedy. With no anger, no bitterness, no depression, nothing. Just the grace and mercy of God. Amen. How many knows that was his love? Brother, tell me something he's done. Two years ago, I fell 25 feet straight on my head. Oh, my. And they didn't think I'd ever live. Two weeks later, I walked out of the hospital. Praise God. That's the love of God. Tell me something. He healed my dad, carried me through a childhood, and kept me from becoming bitter and serving him. And he placed me, and I didn't realize until last week when my dad gave his testimony that if it wasn't for the love of God that saved him, that I wouldn't be standing here today. And I'm thankful for his grace and his mercy. Thank you, Heather. Tell me something, Sister Heather. One thing? Yes. <laughs> you have many. I know all of them, but one thing. It's hard to choose. The love of God. After six years of being on my own, and not thinking I was worth anything, God gave me a godly husband to lead our family and to serve God with. Praise God. That's the love of God. Get what? 
Now here's what I want the rest of you to do tonight. If I went through this auditorium, hear me, tonight, every one of you's got a testimony. Here's a couple back here, and I'm not going to embarrass them, but I'm going to tell who you are. On the back row, what, last week? Lost their son in a car accident. But they can both tell you tonight the love of God has brought them through. Folks, we have got to again, once again, realize how much He loves us and the things that He brings us through in life. For just a moment, I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to ask you tonight this question. Is there any you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and that love, you haven't accepted that love tonight? Can I see your hand anywhere? I want to make sure. Anybody. You haven't accepted his love. All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk through your life for just a moment. From the moment you got saved, I want you to start a journey. And all along the way, I want you to stop and think. I remember when I was going through this and how his love brought me through. Go a little further. Say, I remember when I was facing this situation. And his love brought me through. <laughs> Go a little further. I remember when I was facing this and the love of God revealed himself to me <laughs> in an extraordinary way. Go just a little further. Here's what I want you to do now. If God has ever done anything for you, His love has ever been revealed to you, I want you to stand to your feet right now.